Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. This is the LeaderCast Podcast, helping you be a leader worth following. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LeaderCast Podcast. I'm Haley Panagakis, your host for this episode and content manager here at LeaderCast. And I am thrilled to welcome back one of our past LeaderCast live speakers, Chris Perez-Brown. So Chris is an author, he's an entrepreneur, and he's not only the founder of Upping Your Elvis, which is a creative leadership consultancy firm, he's also a best-selling author of several books, including his most recent, Wake Up, Escaping a Life on Autopilot. Our listeners probably remember Chris from years past. As I said, he's a past LeaderCast Live speaker. We've had the pleasure of having him on our stage at LeaderCast Live 2016, and we are also so honored to have him join Join us on our LeaderCast Now Leadership Video Library platform, where he shares his wisdom and insights on creativity. So, Chris, welcome. It's an honor to have you back with our audience. Hey, great to be with you, Haley. So, you have an interesting backstory. Can you start just by telling me a little bit about your backstory and how you got into the business of creative consulting? Sure. I mean, none of this stuff makes sense um, unless you join up with us looking back, does it? I mean, I, <laughs> when I was 16, I joined the army of all places. Well, I soon realized I was way more of a lover than a fighter, so it didn't last long. And then I think, you know, I, I, I did what everyone does, right? I got my degree, I got my first job. The first job I actually liked, the first one that I was actually good at. And I found myself. Knowing that I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I was, I was running the biggest brand in Europe at the time. We just won brand of the year, the first billion pound brand retail value. I was on a fast track scheme. I should have been delighted, but I had this itch, this itch that would not go away. So I ended up throwing everything in. I went traveling. I read everything I could on creativity, on innovation, on personal development. And really, that's when I fell in love with what I do today because I needed inspiring possibility for my life. So... I went away, I explored, I learned some stuff and came back and, and then just got really keen on applying it. And when I came back, I had my own marketing consultancy, which was great fun. But I also was teaching Reiki. And I really liked the combination of this kind of more esoteric hippie uh, energy work with the more creative marketing. And I then joined a little startup. It was an innovation consultancy called What If? And I came in as a, the partner to set up the capability practice there where I helped the biggest and the best companies in the world get better innovating. And um, after 10 years of doing that, I realized that actually I wanted to spend less time doing the tricky, clever stuff for the specialists. And I wanted to spend more time helping everybody wake up every morning, loving who they were, loving what they did, bringing more of their energy and more of their unique character to play. And that's when I set up Upping Your Elvis. And I guess the rest is history. So that got you started in Upping Your Elvis, but what inspired you to write Wake Up in particular? What led to that? Yeah, well, good question. So, you know, I work with all sorts of, you know, boards and CEOs around the world for, for lots of companies, you know, everyone from Unilever to Nike to ad agencies to pharmaceuticals. And one thing that strikes me that's incredibly similar with all of them is everyone's very busy. And I'm trying to help them become more creative, more aware, and help them collaborate better. And um, the first thing that a lot of them do when they wake up in the morning is they check their email. And often they do that in bed mm-hmm. or brushing their teeth or before breakfast. The next time they're conscious, the next time they're aware of who they are, they're back in bed. And 
the day has happened to them. They've been so busy, they've been so fast. And it's almost impossible to be a good leader like that. So what I wanted to do was work out how I could get them to step back from that busyness, become more conscious, so they can answer the question, what's needed here? Now, what's needed here today is not what was needed yesterday. You know, everything is changing so fast. So we need people to be more attuned to the world around them, more attuned to themselves, and more attuned to the people they're working with, if they're going to do great work. And that's what Wake Up's about. It's about getting off that autopilot so we can answer the big question, what's needed here? Gotcha. So... Before we get into the specifics around the book, I mean, the title is Wake Up, Escaping a Life on Autopilot, and you just mentioned autopilot. So I'm curious how exactly you define autopilot. Well, I think we've all had that experience of driving a long distance and arriving at the destination, and we can't remember large chunks of the journey. And that happens for a really important reason, and it's all to do with how the brain functions. Mm-hmm. Now, our conscious brain, which is um, which is what we use you know, often when we are trying to work things out from first principles, is, um, is fantastic at logic and analysis and rationality. The only problem is that it uses loads of energy. Right, so it's like a V8 gas guzzling machine. Um, but we all know that because if we've ever tried to learn a, a new language or an instrument, we tire quite quickly. So mm-hmm. what we do is we try and save energy by switching to the more fuel-efficient Tesla-like subconscious. Now, the subconscious is efficient because the way that it saves energy is it does something really smart. It looks around us and says, have I seen something like this before? If it looks mm-hmm. vaguely familiar, I'm going to assume it's exactly the same as last time, and therefore I'm going to behave in exactly the same way. <laughs> thus saving processing power and energy. So when you get in your car, you sit in there, you look at the steering wheel, you look at the road, you look at the seat and go, hey, I've done this before. Hey, the subconscious can take over. We can just get into those habitual patterns and actually we can drive quite literally on autopilot. So we're perfectly safe, but we save lots of energy. Now, the problem with this is that it doesn't just happen when we drive. It happens every day we do anything vaguely familiar anything vaguely routine, such as going to the same office, sitting at the same desk, doing the same work, actually going home, being with our loved ones, you know, sitting at the same table for dinner, in fact, leading our lives. We tend to use habitual patterns and routines. Therefore, we spend a huge chunk of our time on autopilot. The research that we did for our book suggests that we spend up to around 80%, 80% of our life on autopilot. Which, wow. Which is it's not, bad, it's not bad for some reasons, because obviously it saves energy, but it's a terrible way of living if the world is changing as fast as it is today. You know, what we need to be able to do is escape it a few times a day just to check in and go, actually, am I using my unique talents in the best way in this unique situation that is now? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. And I love that in the book that you talk about how, I mean, the subconscious mind, of course, it, it has its purpose. So does the conscious mind, as you just mentioned. And in the book, you talk about how the subconscious mind may protect us and save us on energy, but it can be it can be a hindrance to leaders. It can distract us with daydreams um, and, of course, keep us on autopilot. And I'm remembering back to Leadercast Live 2016, um, and you were talking about how the conscious mind is... It's not, it's great for going for, through to-do lists, but it's not so great in tapping into that creative genius that we all strive for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. obviously they both have their pros and cons, but I'm curious what an efficient mind looks like in your opinion and what we as leaders can do to, to achieve that. Yeah. So for me, it's all about balance, right? So if we are 
purely conscious, we are restricted to probably about 5% of our overall processing and mm-hmm. we will be exhausted. So we can't possibly do that all the time. Equally, right. if you're, you're purely subconscious, we're like animals, right? We are not using our cognitive higher function. We are just purely reacting to things on an instinctive basis. And, and obviously, it, you, know, you don't have to be an expert to know that neither one of those on the spectrum are going to be particularly useful for us as a leader. Now, mm-hmm. the question is, when, when do you tap into the conscious versus the subconscious and vice versa, when you upweight them. So there are times in our day that we need to just get very clear on who we are, where we're going, what's important to us, what's the big thing we need to achieve. And therefore, I think you need to be incredibly conscious to make those choices. Mm-hmm. Then, however, when you're delivering it, you're naturally going to get your subconscious start to take over to save energy, but also to tap a little bit more into that intuitive gut feel that we all need when we're doing our work, right? Because if we're just using the conscious, we're only going to do what we've done before and we're going to get tired. So it's, it's about, you know, getting the balance right and getting the timings right for each one. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing stuff which is brand new and it needs lots of analysis and rationale, you have to be conscious. If you're being creative, however, you've got to relax more and get more of a subconscious handling. So the best leaders know how to navigate that. Now, right. the, the, the biggest problem, I suppose, that we have is that we're, we're so busy these days, we've got so much going on, that naturally energy preservation starts to become a, a bit of a priority. And therefore, regardless of what we're doing, we know the subconscious is going to start to take over and, and push us into autopilot which means we're going to be looking for habitual patterns and routines, things we've done before, and we're going to hope that there's answers in that for today. So for me, one of the biggest challenges is just making sure that we, you know, we get that awareness, we escape autopilot a few times a day in the right way to make sure that when autopilot does kick in, we're going the right direction. Right. That's great advice. So in the book, you also talk about our caveman brains and how our minds really haven't evolved that much since the dawn of our existence. Can you explain this further yeah. and how our brains are like, we're pre-wired to be fearful? Yeah, sure. So, so our, our brains have only developed by about 10% in the last 50,000 years. So basically, <laughs> it's designed for us to live in a cave, right? Now, as a caveman or a cavewoman, your number one priority in the morning is survival. So what we've developed is this fantastic survival technique. If we see a bush rustling in the distance, as a caveman or a cavewoman, we naturally assume it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex that's coming to eat us. Now, if nine times out of 10, it's our friend Bob coming back from a hunting party, it doesn't matter because the one time it is something dangerous, it was good to react that way. So we've developed this, this very strong negativity bias. If we see something that could be dangerous, we just assume it is. And not only do we assume it is, we assume it is incredibly quickly. We've developed a hair trigger because actually, if I see the rustling of the bush, and I react just a bit quicker than my friend next to me, chances are I survive and they don't. So we have this hardwired into our brain, into our neural kind of system. So that was brilliant 50,000 years ago because there were real dangers around us every day. Today, there's less so, and I'm very grateful for that. However, we have the same programming. So instead of us worrying about things rustling in the bushes and T-Rexes coming to eat us, we get fearful about anything new. It could be ideas, it could be change, it could be people who are new to us. And we naturally assume that there is danger involved in those. So we are hardwired to see things negatively. Now, when you're conscious and when you're attuned and when you're sensitized to yourself and the world around you, you don't react to these things. But when autopilot is taking over, it's a lot more instinctive. And therefore, what happens is you'll, you'll, you'll have experiences and you will react immediately 
to them as if they are threats and dangers. And often, obviously, they're not. Often, they're opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's so interesting because we know that leadership requires, I mean, often requires taking risk, whether that's, you know, you're starting your own company or whatever the case may be. So leaders have to combat that instinct of fear. And I guess getting off of autopilot is the way to do that. Absolutely. Because if you're on autopilot, you're always going to be fearful. You're always going to react very, very instinctively and just see the danger as opposed to the possibility. So it's absolutely key to escape autopilot if you're going to embrace any change at all. Mm -hmm. So what's the biggest challenge you found as people try to get off autopilot? I'm sure that you've encountered a lot of people after your book was released who were like, I need to get off autopilot. So yeah. what's the biggest challenge you <laughs> with them? Addiction, I would say, addiction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, so many people are addicted to busyness. You know, I think, I think Brené Brown said, you know, the day that we do um, workshops for busy-aholics, we're going to need stadiums. And I think she's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, people are addicted to stimulus, to being mm-hmm. in demand, to having lots to do, to being just running at 100 miles an hour. And, you know, they really get a kick from it. And it's, they get this little dopamine kick in their head and it feels fantastic. And it feels like they're needed and they're actually succeeding. The truth of it is, obviously, you know, quite, quite opposite to that. Often they're doing the wrong stuff. Often they're wasting their energy. You know, often they are, again, purely reacting to things as opposed to thinking what's needed here. Mm-hmm. So, so breaking people out of that addiction of busyness is, is quite a task, especially when society values it so much and organizations value it so much. You know, if, if, if somebody, you know, I'm working with a senior leader in an organization, somebody goes, hey, how, how are you doing now? And they say, you know what? I'm great. I had a couple of hours to think this morning. Everyone would be throwing paper cups at them by that point. They're going, you, you, what, you had two hours to think? Oh, my God. You know, yeah, have you got nothing happening? You know, we're valuing the wrong stuff. It's absolutely crazy. All right. So bre- breaking out of that mindset and breaking out of that cultural norm is, is probably the biggest challenge. But the interesting thing about it is that actually when you do wake up and when you do escape autopilot, it's, um, it, it can be equally addictive. So once people get a sense for the value that it can create in their lives and the difference in the quality of their thinking, their relationships, actually their enjoyment of their days, that actually they never want to go back. They've realized that it's something that, you know, is just too valuable to let go of. Right. So I guess it's like any habit, you know, habits what take two weeks to break so once you get off autopilot you know you have the habit of staying off autopilot i'm sure yeah i'm i'm not sure i believe it takes two weeks to break a habit a lot of people believe it's two two um two weeks a lot of people say, I, know, I, I i recently gave up um alcohol for 68 days uh-huh. Uh, because I heard it was 60, 66 was the sweet spot. And then since then, I've researched it, and it really depends on who you are, what you're trying to break, and how ingrained it is. And it could be hundreds of days to break a habit. Yeah. So it's a little bit more complex than that. But, but you're absolutely right. With, with any new behavior that you're trying to take on, there is a certain amount of time that you need to make it a part of who you are, which is why we've got Wake Up the Book, but we've also got Wake Up the App. Because what we realized was we need people to live this every day in, you know, in a very simple way where they can get little bits of stimulus, little things that they can do, and they can rate how they are doing uh, by trying out some exercises. And therefore, you need the app to be the companion with a book. And we found that it's a much easier way to get an ingrained habit than just reading alone. Yeah, that's awesome. And so everyone should definitely check out the app because it's got additional resources and learning. So thinking back to LeaderCast Live 2016, you shared three key steps to getting off of autopilot. 
And one was breathe better, two was have fun, and then the third you mentioned was step away from our busy lives once a day to check in with ourselves. Is there anything new you would add to this list now? Well, you know, we've been experimenting. We've had thousands of people take part in it. And, and in the book, I, I came up with 54 things that you could do right. um, that, that range from physical to mental, emotional, spiritual kind of exercises. And now since then on the app, people have been generating their own content and their own experiments. So we've got thousands more experiments. I therefore say it kind of depends on who you are, on what you find you get most value from. But I certainly find there are some that have really helped me. Well, one for me is I love spending the first 10 minutes every day outside mm-hmm. without any phone, without any distraction, or I just sit quietly and spend time thinking about, you know, where I am, what's important to me, where I'm going, you know, setting a good intention for the day, knowing full well, I will get busy, I will get on autopilot, but at least if I start the day with that clarity and that right energy, I'm going to feel much better. So first 10 minutes outside every day is a, a, just a, a killer wake-up exercise. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's one. One of my absolute favorites came as a bit of a surprise. We had a load of bloggers take part in these exercises for a year just to see the impact that they had on them. And we had one guy who, uh, who ran a pub with a very tough upbringing. In fact, he said that where he came from, people expressed their emotions with their fists. It's that kind of background. Mm-hmm. And one of our challenges was, was what he, he really hated the idea. He, he said it was the scariest challenge he's ever had. We just asked him to find one person that he worked with every day and share what he loved about them. And for him, this was just way too hippie. You know, he's a big master man. <laughs> but, he, but he did it and he absolutely loved it. And he was so surprised because a few things happened. No, number one, obviously, he got deeper relationships with the people that he worked with. And, and obviously, it spread, you know, good karmic vibes around the place. But most importantly, he said, you know, when you start to look for the great in people and you start to look for what you love in them, you see it more often every day. He said, there's uh-huh. more rainbows and there's more unicorns. And I, I absolutely love that. So anything to do with relationships and appreciation, I, you know, I'm a big, big fan of. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I was going to ask if you had any examples or stories of people or organizations who have used these experiences and seen any positive results in their leadership. I mean, that, that's one example. So I don't know if you had any additional stories that's you could share. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So funnily enough, I was working out in Basel recently and I came across a guy I hadn't seen for a few years. And we, we've been experimenting with, you know, with Wake Up last time we were together. And one of the challenges with Wake Up is you, you follow your body clock for a week. And when mm-hmm. you, you follow your body clock for a week, you basically eat when you want to eat. You sleep where you want to sleep. You exercise where you want to exercise. You don't have any, any watches or clocks around you whatsoever. Anyway, this guy did that exercise for a week, and he was fascinated because what he realized was he was leading his life based upon his calendar, his business, his family, and everybody else making demands on him, including society. And when he listened to his body and, and what he needed to do, he realized actually he had very specific biorhythms. He had a very specific energetic flow to the way that he thought and the way he lived. And the more he tuned into it and actually lived with that, the better his life became. So. When I saw him, he said, you know, um, for the last year, what he does, every morning he gets up, he walks his dog, and he spends that morning doing thinking work, creative work, exploratory work, and he does it on his own. It really suits him, right? 
Then in the afternoon, he goes into his office and he has meetings all afternoon, which really suits him. He said it's completely changed his life. He is 10 times more productive, 10 times more happy, because actually he's tuned into the way that he works and he's got the world to fit to him rather than him fitting to the world. So I think that's a cracking example. Yeah, I think that's a great example of why it's it's just so incredibly important for leaders in particular to get off autopilot and to be conscious. You've shared so many great tips and stories today. We really appreciate it. Was there anything that you'd My like pleasure. to touch on that I that I missed or any anything that I haven't I'm not asking that I should have asked? Well, no, I mean, I think, you know, what we've been talking about is, is a big passion of mine. You know, a, a third of our days on this planet are work days. If we're not mm-hmm. loving what we do and we're not bringing our unique talents to bear, it's a terrible waste of life. And what I've loved about Wake Up is that after experimenting with so many different people from so many different walks of life, they are getting value from it, not only in the fact that they are doing better work and they're being more conscious and they're waking up and escaping autopilot. But what they've realized is that it's just a more joyful way of being. You know, 96% of the people that we've worked with feel happier as a result. Most, most people have found that their well-being has improved, including people, and this is what I was quite surprised by, including people who have had self-esteem issues, anxiety, and even depression have felt better as a result of being wake up. Now, for me, if we can get a bit more of that out into this world, you know, then, then I've, had a, I've had a good life, right? If we can help a few more people wake up in the morning, again, loving who they are, loving what they do, and feeling as if they are in control of making each day even better, then I think we're doing good work. So we've, we've developed a program. So if anyone out there uh, would be interested in helping more people go through it, we've got a corporate well-being program with you know, video support and with the app and the book. And it's just a really neat way of just helping the people around you every day get a smile on their face and realize that every day can be spectacular. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here today and, of course, for writing this book. I know that our listeners will greatly benefit from all of the experiences that you mention in it, and it will really help them get past that autopilot that we've been talking about today. So a huge thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to the podcast today. You can find Chris's book, Wake Up, and other books by him on Amazon, or you can visit his website at berez-brown.com backslash books to see all of his books. You can also download the Wake Up app that we've talked about. Definitely download that. It's a free download with additional resources and learning. So definitely check that out. Again, thank you for listening. Please go ahead and share and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you back here soon for another episode of the LeaderCast podcast. LeaderCast Live is the largest one-day leadership event in the world. Join tens of thousands of fellow leaders live in Atlanta or at a host site near you. Visit live.leadercast.com to learn more. Thanks for tuning in to the LeaderCast podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. In today's ultra-competitive job market, top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, 
concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths. And our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.